Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Apologies for the schedule change. Sorry to anyone who's going on. I'll explain everything. I'll tell you all what's going on. I'll let you know. I don't want to be disruptive. I'm not that kind of guy. I don't want to step on anybody's dick. This dick will explain everything. Trust me. (laughs) Thank you for joining us early. We're mixing it up. Alrighty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to what I'm going to be dubbing as the super duper early super special edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to see you there in the chat as always. Thank you so much for sharing the show out if you did. If you are watching this show at 11 o'clock because you didn't realize that I went early, my humblest apologies. Let me explain. Um, Situation at work, which meant that I couldn't get home until like, you know, five hours later than I normally would. And that's the time that I sleep. So at this stage, I have been up for 24 hours. And this will be the third show that I've done in 24 hours. And on top of that, I just spent the last uh, six or seven hours while I was working watching and listening to Robert Mueller's testimony in the House of Congress. So anything could happen here. I'm still in my filthy work clothes because, like, if I don't take, if I didn't do the show now, then I'm not going to be able to sleep for another 24 hours, which may be detrimental to my health. I'm not a young, I'm not a young rooster anymore. I'm not a young cock anymore these days. So once upon a time, I used to be able to stay awake for two, three, four days, no problem whatsoever. No additives, no toxins, but I'm getting a little long in the tooth for that kind of caper these days. So uh, apologies to anyone, but I won't be on too long. I'm not going to dominate. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be on for four or five hours spewing nonsense. I did just crack a beer though. So I raced in the house. Um, quickly grabbed a beer and jumped in front of the computer so I can get this out of the way and then I can get back to bed. Mm. So thank you all for understanding. Robert Muller! It's Muller time, baby! This thing could go right off the rails. There are so many ways to come at this and I I do have a couple of clips timestamped ready to go. I did a whole 10 minutes of prep for this show so it could be could be a beautiful mess could be a beautiful disaster we'll just have to see how it goes there's a couple of ways we can come at it first of all i want to put this out there i would think that okay first of all both sides it didn't work out as well as they wanted it to for different reasons and i think in all honesty if you're taking like take take the information out of it and just talk about purely optics. I think the GOP definitely won the judiciary hearing if we're thinking of it like in a sports context. And I think the Democrats definitely won the intelligence committee hearing. 
But I put that down to perhaps, maybe, um, a couple of things. I think that Jerry Nadler probably doesn't have as much talent in his committee as Adam Schiff does. And I think Adam Schiff was... Maybe it's because he lives closer to Hollywood. But Adam Schiff is a far better presenter of things. So where he was calm and controlled and used very good emotive language and very well-written statements. And the GOP weren't as effective in the Intelligence Committee hearing as they were in the Judiciary Committee hearing. And the Democrats in the Judiciary Committee hearing, I think they focused far too much on the um, the White House counsel angle, which by the third and the fourth and the fifth presentation of that particular angle, I could just, I could hear people's eyes glazing over in the audience, you know what I mean? It got too tired, it didn't have impact, whereas in the Judiciary hearing, the GOP members had a lot more impact. Also, can we just put it out there now that this was a massive own goal from the Democrats. I put it to you that whatever whatever aura, whatever allure, whatever unspoken authority Robert Mueller had before this just evaporated into thin air today. It's gone. <sighs> gone. They could have kept him there as like the silent overseer. You know, the all-knowing, the all-wise investigator, the hard-nosed investigator. Nothing gets past Robert Mueller. If you'll allow me to do my Joe Scarborough one more time. You know, Beaker, Robert Mueller is an American hero. Nothing gets past this guy. He's a fucking bulldog, man. He is on the case. He is smart. He is wise. He's a hard-ass, Mika. He's an American hero. They could have kept that aura there. But they just had to go for the Hail Mary pass. They had to go for the big touchdown. And they fumbled. Ten yards out. Because what many people in the public once thought of as the, the you know, the quiet, the strong, silent type. That, that was the aura that Robert Muller had before this. To me, the best way that I can describe it, he came off like a disorientated a disoriented pensioner who's realized that they're on the wrong bus. Do you know what I mean? He came across as an old guy who didn't realize that he was on the wrong bus until he's rolling through a neighborhood he's never been in before. And he's he's looking out the window. Did I did I miss my yeah. I seem to recall it on the on the on the bus on the bus timetable here. Catch the number. Does that say number four one two? And it should should end up in in Williamstown here. But seems to I don't do you recognise? Is this I I don't remember this building. Is this am I, am I on the right bus? That's what it seemed like to me. In all honesty. And you, people who are long-time watchers of this show know that I'm not going to go out of my way. If I think a Democrat um, gives a good performance in one of these things, I will say so. If I think somebody gives a good testimony, I will say so. If I think that the Republicans have made a meal of it, I will say so because I have done before. And I've had people unfollow me because I've said these things. It's funny, you can say... 
you can say the Republicans were good, 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 good. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the first time you turn around and say, well, the, the Republicans really fucked that up. You'll be surprised how many people go, oh, well, I'm never watching you ever again. <laughs> it's like, okay, see ya. Sorry. Got to be honest here. So, yeah, he missed his bingo game. He was late for the bingo game. He had one of those red and white striped bags on wheels at the back of the bus. Not sure where he was. So, all, like I said, all of that power, that unspoken authority that Robert Mueller once had evaporated within the space of an hour today. And now the Democrats, you can't get that back. Once it's gone, it's gone forever. So, all the authority, the... All of the, they were basking in the reflected authority of Robert Mueller. Oh, the Mueller report, the Mueller report, the Mueller report. And what the general public, not just the American public, but people watching around the world, what they were presented with today was a guy who seemed to not even know what was in the report that has his name on it. It seemed as though he didn't even write it. Or if he had no, he, it seemed as though he had no input into the report whatsoever. Other things that I noticed... Now, this is going to sound conspiratorial, but hear me out. It seemed to me, as a casual observer, that whenever he was prompted by a Democrat with the words, say, is that correct? Or, and I quote, he just agreed with them. He just agreed with them. And it became glaringly obvious at one point when one of the Democrats, and I forget the situation, I'm doing my best here. When one of the Democrats, uh, and I forget their name, made a statement, you know, Robert Mueller, you said such and such, and he he, he looked at them and said, well, I, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I can't get into that. And then they said, you said uh, such and such, correct? Question mark. And he said, yes, I believe that's true. In, in the very next sentence, he contradicted himself. He went from, I don't know, to yes, that's true. All they did was repeat the same line and put the word correct at the end of it. So that's something I started to pick up on. Whenever they said, Robert Mueller, um, you know, D Donald Trump Jr. did X, 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 and X, correct? And he go, yes, that's true. Without even thinking about it. But then when the Republicans would ask a question and they would say, Robert Mueller, in your report, did you write this? And he'd go, well, I, can't, I don't know. I can't get into it. Can you repeat the question? Um, I'm not sure I agree. I, I don't think so. And they'd say, well, it's it's actually in your report. <laughs> well, I can't agree to that. I don't know. I don't know. That's, I can't get into it. It's it's not in my purview. And then the, the Democrats would come back out again and say, in your report, you wrote this, correct? And you go, yes, that's true. Unthinking obedience. So that's something I picked up on. But we will. I, I do want to show you a couple of clips Thank you so much for joining us. Just a quick reminder, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to drag me over the hot coals, Mueller style, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Couple of little things I identified here. There is so much more that we could go through. So let's just get into it. Um, this was the first part about 40 minutes in this was the first piece of effective grilling that I noticed. And this was the first um, piece of questioning that I thought, okay, the Republicans can make something out of this angle. So let's have a look. Gentlelady. 
Good morning, Director. Uh, if you'll let me quickly summarize your opening statement this morning, you said in volume. Now, I, I know people are going to say, oh, Jim Jordan and oh, Devin Nunez and all, oh, Matt Gates. Everybody else is going to be talking about Jim Jordan, Devin Nunez and Matt Gates, so I'm not going to waste your time. There was a couple of other little things from, uh, you know, perhaps second tier players. That Those are the things that I'm interested in. Those, those are the things that I want to point out. One on the issue of conspiracy, the special counsel determined that the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. And then in volume two, for reasons that you explained, the special counsel did not make a determination on whether there was an obstruction of justice crime committed by the president. Is that fair? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Now, in explaining that special counsel did not make what you called a traditional prosecution or declination decision, the report on the bottom of page two of volume two reads as follows. The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that prevent us from conclusively determining that no criminal conduct occurred. Accordingly, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Now, uh, I read that correctly? Yes. All right. Now, your report, and today you said at all times the special counsel team operated under, was guided by, and followed Justice Department policies and principles. So. Which DOJ policy or principle sets forth a legal standard that an investigated person is not exonerated if their innocence from criminal conduct is not conclusively determined? Can you repeat the last part of that question? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, can you repeat that question stuff? <laughs> By the end, I was fucking pissing myself laughing. I was on my own listening to it and I was predicting. Can you repeat the question? That's not in my purview. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> Whenever there was like two or three seconds of silence and he would just sit there and stare at the person, I'm telling you, it was like an old guy who finds himself on the wrong bus, who's taken too much of his heart medication and, and he's disoriented and doesn't quite know where he is. Uh, and it looks like it looks like he's really listening. I mean, he's got good eye contact. Right? He's got good posture. He's following along with the report he's reading. And so then comes the question and he just stares blankly at the person asking the question for about four or five seconds. I I'm sorry, can you repeat the last part of that? I'm sorry, can you repeat the last part of that question, please? Young man, young whippersnapper. You know, you young whippersnappers, you talk a little bit too fast for this old man. Can you, would you mind, would you mind, Sonny Jim, just going back to the start, it reminds me of that Simpsons bit where, you know, remember when Homer Simpson becomes uh, Mr. Burns' assistant? And Mr. Burns says, okay, I want you to do this, 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 and this, and he rattles off a whole th whole bunch of things, and Homer's got his notepad there, and he, it looks like he's taking notes, and he goes, mm-hmm, yep, yep, yep. Uh, can you please go back to the part where you said all the things? <laughs> That's what it looked like to me. Which DOJ policy or principle set forth a legal standard that an investigated person is not exonerated if their innocence from crim criminal conduct is not conclusively determined? Yeah, whippersnappers. Where does that language come from, Director? Um, Where is the DOJ policy that says that? Can you, let me make it easier. Is, can I is there... Is, sorry, go ahead. It, can you give me an example other than Donald Trump where the Justice Department determined that an investigated person was not exonerated because I, their I, innocence was not conclusively determined? 
I, I cannot, but this is a unique okay, situation. Okay, well, I, uh, you can't. Time is short. I've got five minutes. Let's just leave it at you can't find it because I'll tell you why. It doesn't exist. The special counsel's job, nowhere does it say that you were to conclusively determine Donald Trump's innocence or that the special counsel report should determine whether or not to exonerate him. It's not in any of the documents. It's not in your appointment order. It's not in the special counsel regulations. It's not in the OLC opinions. It's not in the justice manual. And it's not in the principles of federal prosecution. Nowhere do those words appear together. Someone in Laura Butler in the chat says, Nadler must have known that Mueller was impaired. I, I, I'm not sure about that because maybe Jerry Nadler was having a nap. You're, you know, Jerry likes to sleep on the job from time to time. Jerry's been known to doze off during these kinds of hearings. We we have the evidence. Actually, you just reminded me of one part. Um, there was one part of of this uh, this fucking circus. That's the best way to describe what happened today. A circus. It was a complete shit show. Um, one of the Democrats was talking about oh the spreading of misinformation on Facebook, blah blah blah. You know the usual stuff. And they said uh, the vicious rumors, the the vicious misinformation about Hillary Clinton's health. And I thought, really? Like, so that footage where she was getting carried into the van, um, all of the coughing and stuff, that, that was all Russia. <laughs> That's Russia now. And I thought, you slippery little, you slippery little bastard, just slipping that in there. Because he was like, oh, the misinformation, the taxes, blah, 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 blah. And Hillary Clinton's health. And move on to the next question. What <laughs> was like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. The GRU did not invent a conspiracy theory about Hillary Clinton's health. She passed out at a social gathering. <laughs> she was coughing up chunks of lung butter enough to spread on an entire bakery's worth of bread. That, that was not a conspiracy theory, but we're getting sidetracked. Because respectfully, respectfully, Director, it was not the special counsel's job to conclusively determine Donald Trump's innocence or to exonerate him, because the bedrock principle of our justice system is a presumption of innocence. It exists for everyone. Everyone is entitled to it, including sitting presidents. And because there is a presumption of innocence, prosecutors never, ever need to conclusively determine it. Now, Director, the special counsel applied this inverted burden of proof that I can't find and you said doesn't exist anywhere in the department policies, and you used it to write a report. And the very first line of your report, the very first line of your report says, and you, as you read this morning, it authorizes the special counsel to provide the attorney general with a confidential report explaining the prosecution or declination decisions reached by the special counsel. That's the very first word of your report, right? That's correct. Here's the problem. See, see, if they say, whatever the question is, if they say at the end of their question, correct or right, he would just go, yep. <laughs> if they didn't get, it's like if they didn't give him the code word to just agree, then he didn't agree. And he said, I don't know. I can't get into it. It's not in my purview. I'm telling you, go back, you know, in your own time and just go to a random part of the proceedings and you'll you'll pick it up too. Whenever the person asking the question implied that what they were saying was accurate by saying something at the end of it like correct or right with a question mark, he would just agree with them without thinking. <laughs> but if they didn't do that, he would just disagree with them without thinking or just not answer it. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. It really stuck out. Director, the special counsel didn't do that. 
On volume one, you did. On volume two, with respect to potential obstruction of justice, the special counsel made neither a prosecution decision or a declination decision. You made no decision. You told us this morning and in your report that you made no determination. So respectfully, Director, you didn't follow the special counsel regulations. It clearly says, write a confidential report about decisions reached. Nowhere in here does it say, write a report about decisions that weren't reached. You wrote 180 pages. 180 pages about decisions that weren't reached, about potential crimes that weren't charged or decided. And respectfully, respectfully, by doing that, you managed to violate every principle and the most sacred of traditions about prosecutors not offering extra prosecutorial analysis about potential crimes that aren't charged. So Americans need to know this as they listen to the Democrats and socialists on the other side of the aisle, as they do dramatic readings from <laughs> dramatic ratings this report that volume two of this report was not authorized under the law to be written it was written to a legal standard that does not exist at the justice department and it was written in violation of every doj principle about extra prosecutorial commentary i agree with the chairman this morning when he said donald trump is not above the law he's not but he damn sure shouldn't be below the law which is where volume two of this report puts him well, uh, uh, you sh- you certainly said a lot of word there, yeah, Sonny Jim. But uh, if you would, uh, I would like I would like to refer you back to the report. You'll see you'll 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 see that there were certain things that were uh, not in my uh, my my purview. And and if you would, uh, you know, I, I don't agree with your characterization. Of 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 our of our important work, and and if you would, I would just like to refer you back to the report. You see, I can't get into it. Um, this one was good. Thank you, uh, Director Mueller. My Democratic colleagues were very disappointed in your report. They were expecting you to say something uh, along the lines of, "Here's uh, why President Trump deserves to be impeached." much as Ken Starr did uh, relative to President Clinton uh, back about 20 years ago. Well, you didn't. Uh, So their strategy had to change. Now they allege that there's plenty of evidence uh, in your report to impeach the... Like, it looks like he's listening there. It really looks like he is paying attention, doesn't it? But he's not. He's not paying attention. It's an illusion. President, but the American people just didn't read it. And this hearing today is their last best hope to build up some sort of groundswell across America to impeach President Trump. That's what this is really all about uh, today. Now, a few questions. On page uh, 103 of volume two of your report, when discussing the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting, uh, you referenced, quote, the firm that produced Steele reporting, unquote. The name of that firm was Fusion GPS. Is that correct? And you're on page 103. 103, that's correct. Volume two. <laughs> so, so if I were, if I want to record my favorite program on the on the TiVo, uh, so I press this, I, I press the menu button. Yeah, yeah. So, Grandpa, you press the menu button, and then you go to uh, the channel that you want, and you punch in the code, and then you hit set. Okay, okay. So, so the menu button. I hit the menu button first, right? Yes, yeah, menu button, 
punch in the uh, punch in the channel you want, hit the code, and then press set. Okay, okay. What what comes what comes after set? Nothing comes after set. Set is the last thing that you do. So you hit the menu button, you go to the channel you want, you punch in the code, and you press set. That's how you that's how you set the timer to record the show that you want. Uh huh. Uh huh. So so I hit the set and then the menu button. Is this in the manual? Can you refer? Can I, should I refer back to the back to the manual, the report? When you talk about <laughs> the firm that produced, <laughs> it's like is this what this is, is this on page one hundred three? And he's like yes, and then he, he just doesn't end. He just drifts off. <laughs> he just drifts. Off. He just starts reading. Produced <laughs> the steel reporting. Look at the tongue. Uh, the the old the firm that he's, produced. He's doing the old man tongue sticking out thing. That was Fusion GPS. Is that correct? Well, I, I'm not familiar uh, uh, with uh, with that. I, <laughs> well, uh, let, you, let me just help. He's, is that correct? Well, well, I'm I'm not familiar with that. He's 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 getting he. All right, he is getting read what is on the page that he's reading, and he says, "I'm not familiar with that." You mean you're not familiar with the report that has your name on it that is in front of you right now that I am quoting that you are looking at. Well, I'm, I'm not familiar. I, I'm not quite. I don't. I, I really don't. I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> it, it, it was. It's not. It's not a trick question. Right? It, it was Fusion GPS. Now, Fusion GPS. Produced... <laughs> He's like, well, it's not a trick question or anything. It's not a trick question or anything. Look, it's it's Fusion GPS, okay? And then Mueller kind of gives off this this hand signal, like, oh well, if you say so. If you say so, it's in his report. <laughs> oh well, if you say if you say it's them, then fine, it's them. Whatever. I don't. What's the point? It's the opposition research document, widen, widely known as the Steele dossier, and the owner of Fusion GPA was uh, someone named Glenn Simpson. Are, are you familiar with? Uh, this is outside my purview. Okay. Um, Glenn Simpson was never mentioned in the 448-page Mueller report, was he? Well, as I say, it's outside my purview and outside being my purview. handled in the department by others. Okay. Well, right. he, he was not. Uh, 448 pages, the the owner of Fusion GPS uh, that did the... See, he, he's, he said earlier in the show, too, that, um, you know, nobody impeded my investigation, right? He said, no, my investigation was not impeded by anyone. So if you're doing an investigation into... Uh, you know, people interfering with the Trump campaign per se, how can you not mention Glenn Simpson? Because Glenn Simpson met with uh, Natasha Veselnitskaya before and after the Trump Tower meeting, right? So how can, so what he actually, the way he gets around this is, it says, oh no, somebody else is taking care of that. Somebody else is doing that. But how would he know? Because if nobody impeded his investigation, then it would be in there, wouldn't it? Right? So either they deliberately left out Glenn Simpson meeting Natasha Veselnitskaya, or somebody told him not to put it in there because they're doing an investigation on Glenn Simpson meeting Natasha Veselnitskaya. But either way, he's lying because, of course, it's in his purview. His whole job was to investigate Russian interference in the election. Glenn Simpson got 
uh, a, a former spy to speak to Russian contacts in their own words. They admit this. Russian, uh, you know, Russian intelligence contacts to make the steel dossier. Well, it's not in my, it's not in my purview. It's not, it's really not in my purview. Of course it is. Well, nobody, nobody impeded my investigation, but uh, that Glenn Simpson chap that you, you, that Glenn Simpson chap that you're worried about, Sonny Jim, uh, somebody else is doing that. Somebody, that's not in my wheelhouse. Somebody else is taking care of that investigation. Neil dossier that started all this, uh, he, he's not mentioned in there. Let me move on. Uh, at the same time, uh, Fusion GPS was working to collect opposition research on Donald Trump uh, from foreign sources on behalf of the Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee, it also was representing a Russian-based company, Prevazon, which had been sanctioned by the U.S. government. Uh, are you aware of that? It's outside my purview. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. The company, we're investigating Russian interference in the 2016 election. We are investigating Russian involvement in the 2016 election the company that was hired by one of the parties to do background research on their competitor was also working for a russian company which was of interest to the u.s government are you aware of that that's nah, not my not, none of my fucking business bro nothing to do with me man wait wait aren't you the guy that was investigating you know russians in the 2016 election yeah, that's me. That's me, bro. Okay, so you're investigating Russians in the 2016 election. Um, here is a company that is using Russian contacts to make a dossier about their opponent who also works for a Russian company. Do you know about that? Pfft, none of my business, man. <laughs> none of my business. I'm just here to investigate the Russians. I've got nothing to do with those Russians. Those are different Russians. Somebody else is taking care of those Russians. I was investigating these Ruskies over here. Thank you. One of the key players uh, in the... I'll the other thing too different. is... Um, one of the I imagine a lot of people would have got frustrated by, um, I don't know, It's it wasn't in my purview, um, I can't speak to that, and these kinds of answers. But if you look at the optics of it, the more that this went on, the less credibility he and by reflection the Democrats had. Do you see what I'm saying here? So don't get frustrated when Robert Mueller is sitting there saying, it's not my purview, uh, when he can't answer basic straight questions. Because by the end of the day, after six hours of this, it's not a good look. It might work for, you know, the first half an hour of the proceedings, but by the end, it looks like a, it looks like a big stonewall job. It looks like a snow snow job. You know what I mean? It looks like they're trying to pull the wool over everybody's eyes and the Democrats don't look good at the end of it. Key players in the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting was Natalia Vizinetska, uh, who you described in your report as a Russian attorney who advocated uh, for the repeal of the Magnitsky Act. Uh, Vizinetska had been working with none other than Glenn Simpson, and Fusion GPS since at least early 2014. Um, are, are you aware of that? Outside my purview. <laughs> Again, it's comical. This is a comedy routine, surely. 
You're investigating Russians getting involved in the electoral process in 2016. Here you have a Russian lawyer who is apparently, by your own words, by your own report, is working on behalf of the Russian government to influence the 2016 election. She has contacts with the people who were hired by the Hillary Clinton campaign, who, believe it or not, were also contesting the 2016 election, who were also involved in the 2016 election process. So the very same lawyer with the very same contacts. Ah, well, that's outside my purview. I'd like to know. I'd like to see this purview at some point, wouldn't you? Jesus, what was in your purview? Can you tell us that? Maybe that's the easier question. Thank you. But uh, you didn't mention that or her connections uh, to Glenn Simpson at Fusion uh, GPS uh, in, in your report at all. Um, let me move on. Now, NBC <laughs> News has reported the following. Quote, Russian lawyer Natalia Vizinyetskia says she first received the supposedly incriminating information she brought to Trump Tower describing alleged tax evasion and donation to Democrats from none other than Glenn Simpson, the Fusion GPS. People are saying it's clear that Mueller didn't write the report. I, I kind of have to agree. He said earlier in the day that, um, you know, he was asked, how many of these um, interviews did you participate in? And he said, very few, very few. I'm wondering if Robert Mueller had anything to do with this report at all. Or if Robert Mueller was just given an office somewhere and he was playing solitaire or fucking... <laughs> he was playing solitaire or Candy Crush or something all day. And, they, you know, they gave him a phone that wasn't plugged in so he could call people up. Yes, Donald Trump Jr., how you doing? I'm just playing Candy Crush. And people would come in and say, here, here you go, Mr. Mueller. Here you go, boss. Uh, here's that chapter that you wanted. Very good. Let's. I'm sure it's all good. Should I read it over? No, no, no. It's fine. Okay, put it in the report. That's fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. That's my report. That's my report up there. Got the big important report going on. Owner, um, you didn't include that in the report, and I assume you're well, saying that was the, the matter being handled by others at the Department of Justice. Okay, thank you. Um, now your report spends 14 pages discussing the June 9th, 2016 Trump Tower meeting. Um, it would be fair to say, would it not, that you spent significant resources investigating that meeting? Well, I, I refer you to the, uh, uh, the report. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't even answer the question. Would it be fair to say that you spent significant resources on this part of the report? Uh, what does it say in the report? Whatever it says in there. I don't know. What, what does it say in there? Something, I don't know. Does it say how much we spent on this fucking thing or what? Does Is there a budget in there somewhere? <laughs> like there was there was another point of the day where somebody said, um, would it be fair to say that you had um, all of these resources, you know, 19 FBI agents, 20 attorneys, whatever it was, and an unlimited budget? And he said, well, I wouldn't agree that we had an unlimited budget. And I'm like, well, okay, then what's the fucking budget? Well, I'll refer you to the report. <laughs> President Trump wasn't at the meeting. No, you're aware not. Thank you. Oh, he now, got in stark contrast to the actions of the Trump campaign, we know that the Clinton campaign did pay Fusion GPS to gather dirt on the Trump campaign from persons associated with foreign governments. 
Um, but your report doesn't mention a thing about Fusion GPS uh, in it, and you didn't investigate Fusion GPS's connections to Rostria. So let me just ask you this. Um, can you see that from neglecting to mention Glenn Simpson and Fusion GPS's involvement with the Clinton campaign, to focusing on a brief meeting at the Trump Tower that produced nothing, to ignoring the Clinton campaign's own ties to Fusion GPS, why some view your report as a pretty one-sided attack on the president? Well, I, have, uh, I tell you, this is still outside my purview. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I'll tell you, that's uh, outside my purview. Can't help you. I'd love to help you, but I can't. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on to Exhibit C, shall we? Of uh, doddery, doddery, disoriented, um, over-medicated old man trying to get home on the wrong bus goes to Congress. In 2019, you wrote a letter to the Attorney General essentially complaining about the media coverage of your report. You wrote, and I quote, the summary letter the department sent to Congress and released to the public late in the afternoon of March 24 did not fully capture the context, nature, and substance of this office work and conclusions. We communicated that concern to the department on the morning of March 25th. There's now public confusion about critical aspects of the result of our investigation. Who wrote that March 27th letter? Well, I, I, uh, I can't get into who wrote it, uh, the internal deliberation. But you signed it. And I, what I will say is the letter stands for itself. Okay. <laughs> the letter fucking wrote itself. It's a magical letter. <laughs> Did you write this letter, Mr. Mueller? Well, uh, well, uh, well. Well, well, I can't get into who wrote it, uh, internal deliberations. Uh, but did you sign it, Mr. Mueller? Well, well, what I will say is uh, the letter speaks for itself. So <laughs> it's a fucking magical letter. Somebody must have con- come along and sprinkled fucking fairy dust on it. The pen just got out of the pencil case, wandered over to the paper and started rubbing its ass on the paper. And out popped a letter. And then, you know... A, a happy little dove flew in the window, picked up the letter in its little talons, and then flew out the window and flew right into William Barr's office and dropped it on his desk. There you go. Ah, oh, the magical letter speaks for itself. Like you open the letter up and it goes, hello, Mr. Barr. Have I got something to tell you? I'm not happy with how you've characterized this report. Who's responsible for this letter? I can't get into that. What I will tell you, though, the letter speaks for itself. Whoever wrote it, whoever signed it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know who signed it. I don't know who's responsible for the fucking letter. But what I do know is it's it speaks for itself. It's fine. <laughs> the magical letter from Pixieland. Okay. Why did you write a formal letter since you had already called the Attorney General to express those concerns? I can't get into that internal deliberations. Did you authorize the letters released to the media or was it leaked? I have no knowledge on either. <laughs> well, some, it got to the media somehow, didn't it, Bobby? <laughs> Again. I need to I need to illustrate. We need to be clear here. 
what a sensational own goal this ended up being for the Democrats. They could have kept Robert Mueller in the tank. They could have had Robert Mueller as this strong, silent authority in the background. But they just had to go for the Hail Mary pass. They had to bring him out. They had to put him in front of the cameras. They had to subject him to this because they thought it was going to be good. They thought that they were going to get a big win out of this today. This is how dense these people are. This is how lacking in political instinct these people are. They could have just had him in the background not saying anything and they could have just constantly referred to Robert Mueller and the authority of Robert Mueller and the authority of the Mueller report. But that wasn't good enough. They had to go the whole way. They had to go for home base. So what do you get now? Now you get this guy who's being asked very specific questions about a letter that came out of his office. He doesn't know who wrote it. He can't say who wrote it. He doesn't He doesn't know how it got... He gets asked, well, did you authorise the release of the letter or did somebody leak it to the media? Oh, I'm not going to get into that. So this magical letter from Pixieland wrote itself, speaks for itself, and just magically ha- ended up in the hands of the media. We don't know who wrote it. <laughs> we don't know who authorised it to be leaked and we don't know who signed it. All we know is it fucking exists. It's like God, the letter. It is an omnipotent being, this letter. It has no creator. Well, you went nearly two years without a leak. Why was this letter leaked? I, I, well, I, I can't get into it. <laughs> Gotta hear it again. I've got to hear the story of the letter one more time. This should be, the letter should be a fucking Walt Disney movie. In 2019, you wrote a letter to the Attorney General essentially complaining about the media coverage of your report. You wrote, and I quote, the summary letter the department sent to Congress and released to the public late in the afternoon of March 24 did not fully capture the context, nature, and substance of this office work and conclusion. She's quoting the letter. The, the letter that wrote itself. We communicated that concern to the department on the morning of March 25th. There's now public confusion about 25. critical aspects of the result of our investigation. Who wrote that March 27th letter? Well, I... I, I, I can't get into who wrote it, uh, the internal deliberation. But you signed it. I, I, what I will say is the letter stands for itself. Okay. Why did you write a formal letter since you had already called the Attorney General to express those concerns? I can't, I can't get into that internal deliberation. Did you authorize... <laughs> so we don't know who wrote it. Uh, he can't say that he signed it. He will say that the letter speaks for itself. When she, when she asks, why did you write a letter when you already made a phone call? He can't get into that. So he, he, we don't know if he actually wrote it at all. We don't know where the letter came from, why it's even in existence in the first place. The letters released to the media or was it leaked? <coughs> I have no knowledge on either. Well, you went- I have no knowledge on either. So it was either leaked to the media or somebody authorised it to be given to the media. Well, maybe neither. Maybe it was neither of those things. Like I said, maybe the magical dove from Fairyland flew in the window and picked it up and flew it out the fucking window. Maybe that's what happened. Went nearly two years without a leak. Why was this letter leaked? 
I, well, I, I can't get into it. <laughs> was this letter written and leaked for the express purpose of attempting to change the narrative about the conclusions of your report? And was anything in Attorney General Barr's letter referred to as principal conclusions time of the inaccurate? The time of the gentlelady has expired. The Can you answer the question, out. please? And the question is? Yes, me. you may answer the question. Was anything in a... <laughs> What, what was the question again? Attorney General Barr's letter referred to as the principal conclusions letter dated March 24th, inaccurate. Well, I am not going to get into that. <laughs> so the letter, the letter that was written by God knows who, which got to the media, God knows how, we, nobody can explain who wrote it or who signed for it or who authorized it or how it ended up in William Barr's hand, but will it end up in William Barr's hand, it did nonetheless. We don't know why it was written in the first place because there was a phone call. We can't get into that. And then, and then do you... So the whole point of the letter, though, was to express some concern with William Barr's um, memorandum uh, summary of the report. So are you saying that you don't like William Barr's summary of the report? No, I'm not going to get into it. So the letter that nobody knows who wrote it, where it came from, why it exists and speaks for itself, mind you. Remember, the letter speaks for itself. We don't even know why it was written. <laughs> but apparently it speaks for itself, the magical letter. Time of the gentlelady has expired. The gentlelady from California. Fantastic. You see the look on her face. She's like, I can't fucking believe this guy. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chair. Director Muller, as you know, we are focusing on five... Now, this was my favourite because directly after that, if you want more evidence of a disoriented old guy on a bus... Look what happens directly after um, he talks about the letter that nobody knows why it exists. And when the next lady starts speaking, look how long it takes him to locate her in the room and then the look of sheer surprise when he actually does. I found you all by myself. Can you answer the question, please? And the question is? Yes, you may answer the question. Was anything in Attorney General Barr's letter referred to as the... I love that he does the old man mouth open thing too, but watch, watch... Watch Bob very carefully. Watch him very carefully after she finishes speaking and when he's looking around for the next speaker. The principal conclusions letter dated March 24th, inaccurate. Well, I am not going to get into that. Time okay, of the now watch, watch Bob. The gentlelady from California. He's trying to locate the next speaker. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Director Muller, as you know, we are focusing on still five obstruction episodes today. Still can't find I would like her. to ask you still about the second her. of those five still obstruction oh, there episodes. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you are. Hello. Peekaboo. I see you. <laughs> you want to say it one more time? Mr. Chair, Director Muller, as you know, we are focusing on five obstruction episodes today. <laughs> I would like to ask you about the second of those five obstruction oh, episodes. Oh. Who is that? Who's speaking? Who's talking? Somebody, somebody say something. Are you talking to me? Did somebody say something to me? Who's talking? Show yourself. Who's there? Hello? Hello, who's out there? Fuck me, dead. Here's another one. Chairman Muller, over here. Over here. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, you had three. See, see, an hour or so later, they started just pointing out, like waving their arm. Over here, Mr. Muller. <laughs> I don't want to alarm you, sir. Discussions with Rod Rosenstein about your appointment as special counsel May 10th, May 12th, and May 13th, correct? 
If you say so, I have no reason to dispute that. If you say so, I don't know. I don't even write the report. I don't even know how letters are getting written in my fucking office, but apparently they are, and they've got my name on them, and they end up in William Barr's office. I don't know how it happens. Some kind of teleportation, I think. Then you met with the president on the 16th with Rod Rosenstein present, and then on the 17th you were formally appointed as special counsel. Were you meeting with the president on the 16th with knowledge that you were under consideration for appointment to special counsel? I did not believe I was under consideration for uh, uh, counsel. Uh, the, uh, I had uh, served two terms as FBI okay, director. So the answer is no. And um, the answer is no. Greg Jarrett <laughs> describes your office as... It's like, it's like when an old guy wants to tell you a story. Granddad, did you put the bins out? Well, I remember a very cold day in 1982. You know, I, I, I seem to recall that I woke up about 15 minutes later than I normally would. I've always been an early riser. That's because of your mother. Yeah, you see, back in those days, your mother would make sure that I would be up early so I could get to the news agency to get the daily news. You see, back in those days, they didn't deliver the paper like they do now. Yeah, Granddad, I just want to know if you took the garbage. Oh, yes, the garbage. The garbage. Well, you see, I was I was out the back earlier, and then I noticed a raccoon rummaging around in the garbage. And it reminded me of a time when I was in Long Island. And it was a very chilly morning. I woke up about 15 minutes later than I normally would. You see, back then, your mother used to make sure that I would be up at the same time every morning to get the daily news. See, back in those days, the people didn't deliver the newspaper. You had to go and get it. <sighs> so the answer is no. You didn't take out the garbage. What? 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 What's with the garbage? What are you talking about? Are you talking about the garbage? I don't. Know. Why are you bringing? I, that's not. That's not in my purview. <laughs> I, I. I can't speak to that. The garbage is not my purview. You speak to your mother. You know, once upon a time, your mother used to make sure that I would get up. All right, Granddad. The team of partisans. Um, and as additional information is coming to light, there's a growing concern that political bias caused important facts to be omitted from your report in order to cast the uh, president unfairly in a negative light. For mm. example, uh, John Dowd, the president's lawyer, leaves a message with Michael Flynn's lawyer on November 17th of 2017, uh, November 2017. The edited version in your report makes it appear that he was improperly asking for confidential information. And that's all we'd know from your report, except that the judge in the Flynn case ordered the entire transcript released, in which Dowd makes it crystal clear that's not what he was suggesting. So uh, my question is, why did you edit the transcript to hide the exculpatory part of the message? Well, I'm not certain I would agree uh, with your characterization mm -hmm. as uh, we did anything to hide. Well, you, omit it, you omitted it. You, you quoted the part where he says we need some kind of heads up just for the sake of protecting all of our interests if we can, but you omitted the portion where he says, without giving up any confidential information. Well, I'm not going to go further in terms of discussing the... Uh... <laughs> I, I don't agree with your characterization that we, uh, that, we, that we hid anything. Well, you omitted it, though. Uh, what? You omitted it. So you mentioned this particular part of the conversation, but then you didn't mention the other part of the conversation. Well, uh, well... I'm not going to. I'm not going to go any further discussing this. It's like when an old person, you know, and got they they have the right. They just lose patience and they just say, "Enough, enough! I'm not talking about this anymore. I'm going to bed." 
Grandpa, it's 5.30 in the afternoon. <clears throat> I'm done arguing with you people. That's it. I had the, That would have been the ultimate move for Robert Mueller, just at some point to just stand up and say, that's it. I've had enough. I go to bed now. You people do what you like. You drive me nuts. That's enough. I have enough of you. Well, let's go on. You, you extensively discussed Konstantin Kalimnik's activities with Paul Manafort. You describe in his quote, a Russian-Ukrainian political consultant and longtime employee of Paul Manafort assessed by the FBI to have ties to Russian intelligence. And again, that's all we'd know from your report, except we've since learned from news articles that Kalimnik was actually a U.S. State Department intelligence source, yet nowhere in your report is he so identified. Why was that fact? I don't, I don't necessarily credit uh, what you're saying uh, occurred. <laughs> well, that's, that's just like your opinion, bro. That's just like your opinion, man. Right? I mean, just refer to the report, bro. Were you aware that Kalimnik was uh, a, a I'm not gonna go uh, into State the Department? Ins and I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of what we had in the court. There was a couple of magic moments where he would just outright uh, disregard. He would disagree with what the person was saying. And then they would ask him, like, well, okay, so why do you disagree? You know, what do you have? What reason do you have to suggest that this is wrong? And he would just say, oh, I'm not getting into it. <laughs> Mr. M Mr. Muller, uh, do you agree that person A was at the Trump Tower meeting at 6 p.m.? Well, 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 no, I don't necessarily agree with that. Oh, okay, so um, why is that statement wrong? Well, I'm not going to get into it. I mean, it's, none of, it's none of your business. If you don't know, then I'm certainly not going to tell you. <laughs> in, the court, in the course you of our investigation. Did <laughs> Pardon? Did you Who? interview what? Konstantin what? Kalemnik? I can't go into the discussion of uh, uh, our uh, investigative moves. Uh. Wait, aren't you, here, aren't you here to answer questions about the investigation? I'm not going to talk about the investigation. <laughs> are, are you aware of this Kalimnik guy? Well, I, dis I disagree with what you're saying. Okay, why is it wrong? It's none of your business. How, how dare you? How dare you? And yet... The kids, kids these days, they have no manners whatsoever. You know, but back in my day, we would never pry into the, into the, into the personal life, personal life of a well-respected uh, elder statesman. You know, back in my day, we had a little bit more respect for our elders. And if I say it's, if I say no, then I mean no. And I don't have to explain why. This is none of your business. That is for me to know and for you to find out. That well, I'm trying to find out. This is why I'm asking you questions. Hey, you're very rude to ask questions of your of your of your of your elders there, young man. Is the the, the very rude basis of your report? Again, the, the problem we're having. <laughs> the basis of your report. Well, I'm not going to get into it. Is we have to rely on your report for an accurate reflection of the evidence, and we're starting to find out that's that's not. True. For example, uh, you, you, your report famously. Oh, this this is very good. This part here, this part here was like I, at this point, I was ready to just give it in and jump off a bridge. I'm like, that's it. I've had enough. I'm out. Wait till you fucking hear this. If you missed it today, you won't want to miss it now. Trust me. He links Russian Internet troll farms with the Russian government. 
Yet at a hearing on May 28th in the Concord Management IRA prosecution that you initiated, the judge excoriated both you and Mr. Barr for producing no evidence to support this claim. Why did you suggest Russia was responsible for the troll farms when in court you've been unable to produce any evidence to support it? Well, I'm not going to get into that any further than I, than I already have. But, but you- <laughs> Why did you insist in the report that these Russian troll farms were linked to the Russian government without producing any evidence for, for doing so? Why did you do that? Well, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> what do you, why do you think, Bob, do you know why you're here? Do you know why you're here? It's not for the free coffee and uh, cookies. You realize that, right? I know this might be like a day trip for you. Like people might have come over to your house. Bob, we're going to Washington today. Really? Oh, lovely. I haven't, you know, I haven't been to Washington since, since 1957. You know, back in those days, my wife would make sure that I get up at the same time every morning to make sure that I get the daily news. You see, in those days, the people didn't bring the newspaper to your front door. You used to have to get up and get it yourself. But one morning, I remember, I remember one morning I got up about 15 minutes late and I found a raccoon scrimmaging around in the garbage. This is why I didn't take the garbage bins out that day. You have left the clear impression throughout the country through your report uh, that uh, uh, it was the Russian government behind the troll farms, and yet when you're called upon to provide actual evidence in court, you fail to do so. Well, I would again uh, well, uh, well. dispute your characterization of what occurred. In- <laughs> say, say, you refuse to give evidence. You refuse to give evidence of these troll farms. The judge in that case excoriated you because you refused to give evidence. Well, I, I, I disagree with... Uh, your characterization of what happened. The, now the best part. In that, pre- in that proceeding. In, in, in fact, the judge considering uh, considered holding prosecutors in criminal contempt. She backed off only after your hastily called press conference the next day in which you retroactively made the distinction between the Russian government and the Russia troll farms. Did your press conference of May 29th have anything to do with uh, the threat to hold your prosecutors in contempt the previous day for publicly misrepresenting the evidence? What was the question? Better. Yeah, I, I, I won't. I won't <laughs> Did your press conference on the 29th, where you retroactively changed your story, so you said the Russian troll farms were directly linked to the Russian government? You got in trouble from the judge in that case because you refused to hand over any evidence for this claim. Even in this Mueller report, you don't provide any evidence for this claim that the troll farms are linked to the Russian government. So after the judge threatened to, uh, you know, hit you with a charge of contempt of court for misleading and not presenting evidence, the very next day you decided to have a press conference to retroactively change that. Did your press conference on the 29th have anything to do with the threat of contempt on the 28th? Uh, 
Uh, um, what, what was the question again? <laughs> so if I want to program the DVD player, I hit I hit the menu button for yeah menu. Put in the channel, hit the code, and then press set. Okay, so what what comes after set? I remember back in 1963, and I woke up about 15 minutes late to get the daily news. <laughs> you gotta. You, I'll play it one more time. I won't interrupt it this time because not only does he ask to hear the question again, he then he then discovers an answer for it, and you're gonna love it. Misrepresenting the evidence. Judge excoriated both you and Mr. Barr for producing no evidence to support this claim. Why did you suggest Russia was responsible for the troll farms when in court you've been unable to produce any evidence to support it? Well, I'm not going to get into that any further than I I already have. But but you you have left the clear impression throughout the country through your report uh, that uh, uh, it was the Russian government behind the troll farms. And yet when you're called upon to provide actual evidence in court, you failed to do so. Well, I would again uh, uh, yeah. dispute your characterization of what occurred in that, pre- in that proceeding. In, I'll in, just in dispute fact, it. the judge considering, uh, considered holding prosecutors in criminal contempt. She backed off only after your hastily called press conference the next day in which you retroactively made the distinction between the Russian government and the Russia troll farms. Did your press conference of May 29th have anything to do with uh, the threat to hold your prosecutors in contempt the previous day for publicly misrepresenting the evidence? What was the question? The question is, did your May 29th press conference have anything to do with the fact that the previous day the judge threatened to hold your prosecutors in contempt for misrepresenting evidence? No. It's just a fucking coincidence, bro. It was just a big coincidence. So on the 28th, the judge threatens to hold you and your prosecutors in contempt for misrepresenting evidence. On the 29th, the very next day, you have a press conference where you retroactively change that story to make a distinction between the two things after the judge has threatened you with contempt for having the two things linked together. Now, Mr. Muller, does the press conference that you held on the 29th have anything to do with the threat of contempt on the 28th? No. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way it worked out. It's just one of those crazy times where I think there was an eclipse. Okay, there was a blood moon. There was an eclipse. Everything was inverted. The poles were going crazy. It's just, it was just a coincidence. Just a coincidence. We just happened to have a press conference the very next day addressing the very issue that we were being threatened with in contempt of court for not providing evidence just just happened to do it the very next day they're not linked at all can you can you please repeat the question one more one more <laughs> god almighty what a circus Uh, Mr. Mueller, rather than purely relying on the evidence provided by witnesses and documents, I I think you relied a lot on media. I'd like to know how many times you cited the Washington Post in your report. How many times I what? Cited the Washington Post. (laughs) How many times I what? Mr. Mueller, I'd like to know how many times you cited the Washington Post in your report. Sorry, would I like some toast? No, no, no. How many times did you cite the Washington Post? I'm sorry. 
At the party, am I a good host? I'm a very good host. No, no, Mr. Muller. How many times, yes, did you cite, yes, yes, the Washington Post? The Washington Host. I, well, I don't know the Washington Host, but I've heard good things about him. There's always lots of hors d'oeuvres. You know, I, I, I remember back when I was a younger man. Younger man, we would host, we would host many soirees. Of course, back then. Of course, back then, uh, I was I was quite debonair. I was a big big fan with the ladies. The ladies very much enjoyed my company, and uh, myself and the Washington host would get around town, make make tremendous friends. And then, of course, I would always be up at the crack of dawn the next day to get the daily news, because as you know, in those days, they didn't bring the newspaper to your front door. You would have to go down to go down the road and get it yourself. And I would always make sure that I had a sixpence in my pocket to ride the trolley. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mr. Muller, how many times did you cite the Washington Post? Oh, the Washington Post, yes. Well, it was a tremendous paper. I remember back in the early days, you could purchase the Washington Post, a cup of coffee, and ride the trolley, all for around four cents. Those were it was a tremendous time to be alive. Post in your report. I, have, I, I do not have knowledge of that yeah. figure, but I, I well, that's I, it. I don't have knowledge of that figure. I counted about 60 times. How many times did you cite the New York Times? I counted. Uh, again, I have no idea. I counted about. I, I have no idea because I didn't write the fucking thing. <laughs> How many people out there in the real world, honest question, knew that the second portion of the Mueller report was essentially regurgitated um, news stories from the Washington Post and the New York Times. Like, this is the shit. This was the evidence? Wait, this this is an investigation now? <clears throat> wow. <laughs> you know, because uh, the standard for an investigation has really, really nosedived. I mean, if you want to pay me $30 million to jump on Google and go... Washington Post, uh, Trump Tower meeting, bang, there's a research. Throw that in the report, Bob. Where did you get this information? You mean, so you you punched, you just punched that into the, what is that, what's that called again? A Google. A Google is a tremendous machine. You know, back in my day, we used to have to rummage through people's garbage like a raccoon. Very funny story about raccoons and garbage. You know, my grandson the other day was asking me if I took out the garbage. <laughs> So you just put the words into the Google machine and it punches out and it spits out the reason. It's very technology these days, isn't it? Eh? It's amazing. It's amazing with some of the things they can do these days with the technology. You just punch it into the Google. I mean, if, if that costs you $35 million, I'll, I'll do it for 50 bucks. 50 bucks right now. Bang. I get you 60 sources, bro. 60 sources for $50, my man. Just hit me up, patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. If you've got an investigation that needs investigating, you get in touch with me. You send me a 50 bucks, I get you 60 Washington Post citations like that, man. Like that. That's how I roll. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that's all you needed. I didn't know that's how it, I didn't know that's how it went. But apparently 60 uh, Washington Post, uh, 25 New York Times, 25 Fox Newses, you got yourself a Russia report. Just like that, man. 75 times. How many times did you cite Fox News? I, as with the other two, I have no idea. 
about 25 times. I have no idea how many times we cited New York Times and Washington Post. I didn't even realize I was still using a typewriter. <laughs> Somebody brought in, you know, I was very confused the other day. I was in my office and I was on my very trusty old typewriter that I've been using since 1957. And never, never given me, never done anything wrong. And uh, one of the younger people in my staff came in with a typewriter that had a big screen on it. It almost looked like one of those picture wirelesses, you know, a picture wireless that we used to. Have. And it was almost like a compressed, compact version of the picture shows. And they said, Bob, all you do is just put the put the word into the Google and look at what comes up on the screen. Well, of course. It, this was not without some problems for me. I couldn't find where to put the paper in. So I didn't end up typing anything on the picture wireless, the, the you know, the portable film machine, because I couldn't figure out where to put the ink. I tried pouring it in behind the keys, but that seemed to cause some kind of mischief, some kind of mishap. You know, technology's not without its problems. It's not without its problems at all. I, I've got to say, it looks like volume two is mostly regurgitated press stories. Honestly, there's almost nothing in volume two that I couldn't already hear or know simply by having a $50 cable news subscription. However, your investigation cost the American taxpayers $25 million. Like I said, I'll do it for 50 bucks. 50 bucks right now. Let's go. Put a pineapple on the table. Five zero. Let's do this. Um, Mr. Mueller, you cited media reports nearly 200 times in your report. Then in a footnote, a small footnote, number seven, page 15 of volume two of your report, you wrote, I quote, this section summarizes and cites various news stories, not for the truth of the information contained in the stories, but rather to place candidate Trump's response to those stories in context. Since... <laughs> <laughs> they literally they literally they cite the news reports they then put a footnote saying we're not citing these we're not using these citations because they're truthful <laughs> this has got nothing to do with the truth i just punched it and punched it into the google picture machine now it came so they're actually saying we're not putting this in because it's 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 good information uh, we're putting this in because Donald Trump got really mad that day, and we need we need to keep that context. Look at the look on his face. It's like he's hearing this for the first fucking time. He's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> She's reading his report, and he is stunned. He had no idea, Mister Muller. It looks like you you quoted our media articles two hundred times. And in your footnote, it says that you are not using media articles because they're truthful. What? What? Who wrote this report? It's like the magic letter. Nobody knows who wrote the letter or who signed off on it or how it got to the press or how it got into the hands of William Barr. It was the magical letter that speaks for itself, that wrote itself, that was flown out the window by the magical pixies from Pixieland, ended up in William Barr's pocket. And now the second half of the report that uses all of these citations for, you know, 50 times or whatever it was from the Washington Post, 70 times from the New York Times. And there's a little footnote down the bottom. Uh, don't don't assume that what, what's reported here is accurate, by the way. Don't assume that this is truthful. This is truthful information here in this report. What? <laughs> 
Can you speak up? Can you repeat the question? 200 pieces of toast. No, no, Washington, Washington Post. Pieces of toast. Nobody but lawyers reads footnotes. Are you concerned that the American public took the embedded news stories? And Time of the gentlelady has expired. The gentlelady from Washington. Can, can Mr. Mueller no. answer the question? No, no, we're running short on time. <laughs> that was my favorite part in the whole day. That was by far my favorite part in the whole day. Because I'm sure the three seconds that it would take for him to say yes or no, we just uh, don't, no, we don't have time. No. (laughs) Everybody else gets to get an answer to their question. Uh, But look at the look on his face. He doesn't even know where he is. I'm sorry. Can Mr. Muller answer the, can Mr. Muller answer the question? Jerry's like, no, no, we don't have time. (laughs) Because that extra two or three seconds that it would have taken to answer. Why well, that that would have just I mean my car's double parked. I've got to get to it immediately. I've got to get right out there. Really short on time. Sorry. I'd love to give you an extra five seconds to answer that question, but I'm afraid I can't do it. So sorry, no, no. No, out of time. Shut up now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. That brings us to the end of the special early edition of the daily boogie thank you so much for joining us uh if you'd like to become a supporter of the show please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player and of course if you'd like to tell me about back in the old days when you used to have to get up and get the newspaper yourself because the newspaper boy didn't bother bringing it to your door then you can do so by following me on twitter at boogie bumper don't forget to follow our friends at real person pltcs at chris mech 44 for 44 periscopes a day Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Until Sunday night, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.